Last Sunday, we read the resurrection story from the gospel according to St. John, chapter 20. We read the first 18 verses. Today, we're going to continue reading the story of the resurrection and of Jesus appearing to those who were his followers following the resurrection. They're not all the stories in the gospel according to St. John, but we are today going to be continuing in the gospel according to St. John and chapter 20. We're going to be talking about faith. Why do we believe what we believe? Why do you believe what you believe? How do you decide what is true? What is the basis for your faith, for the things you are convinced are true? What do you base that upon? We hear a lot, very frequently, about fake news. We hear both political parties' leaders accusing the others of promoting fake news. So what is the truth? And how do you and I know what is the truth? That is very much an issue that John was concerned about as he wrote this gospel. And it is very much a part of the stories that we are going to read today. So turn with me in your Bibles to the gospel according to St. John chapter 20, and we're going to begin reading at verse 19. This is the gospel of the Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? 
reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. So how do you know what is true? What is your basis for giving something your trust your belief. Many of us rarely ask ourselves this question. We don't examine, why is it that I think this is true or that is true? We're convinced we're right and that anyone who disagrees with us is wrong. But it is infrequent for us to really think about, now why do I believe what I believe? Why am I so convinced? Thomas wasn't convinced when these men that he knew told them, we have seen the Lord. He knew that Jesus had been crucified. He knew he was dead. He knew he was put in a tomb. He knew that the chief priest had surrounded the tomb with guards. And the whole idea that Jesus was alive was just more than he could bring himself to believe. No matter who told him, they had seen Jesus. So how do we arrive at the truth, at what we believe? I was looking this week at things at several different parts of our society say about what is truth. I was online at uh, Real Clear Science, and this is what they said on that website about what is the truth. It seems like a simple enough question. I really beg to differ, but they said it seems like a simple enough question we know something is true if it is in accordance with measurable reality. In other words, what is true can be measured. If something is real reality or true, then we human beings can see it, perceive it, some way our senses can become aware of it, or else we can create some invention 
that can measure it, that can tell us something about it so that we know that it is true. Well, that helps us know that some things are true. But how does that help us to know how to treat people? How does that help us to know what love is? Or whether or not a person who claims to love us truly does love us. There have been plenty of people who've been taken for a ride and been manipulated and used for the supposed lover's personal benefit. And isn't there an awful lot of arrogance in that kind of statement? If something is real, human beings can develop a means of measuring and categorizing it, really? The universe is very large. And in comparison, we are very small. Our brains are amazing. It is astonishing what we can know and how we can process reality. It is just an amazing thing. But even all of the brains of human beings on the planet at this point, if they were all put in a great big pile, would be very small in comparison to the size of the universe. And yet people claim that all that is real, all that is true, can be detectable and measured by us human beings and our inventions. That is a stunning statement. One that I am convinced misses an awful lot of what is real and what is true. Some people say, well, I become convinced of what is true because an authority has said so. Most of us, at least part of the time, are too skeptical to buy that all of the time. Some people say, well, I, I believe it's true because someone has very forcefully presented something to me with great emotion, with volume, with frequency. And I guess I just eventually, because if so many people say it so many times, well, there must be something true behind all of that. But of course, we know that maybe there isn't. So the question for you, the question for me, the question for Thomas, when he heard the disciples saying, we have seen the Lord, the question for all of us is, how do we know what is the truth? What is the basis? 
Thomas said, well, here's how I will know what is the truth. If I can touch it, then I know it's true. Otherwise, I'm not convinced. I have to put my fingers in the wounds of Jesus. Just seeing them myself is not enough to convince me that Jesus is alive again. Evidently, the other disciples have been hallucinating. I suppose I'm capable of doing it too. So I've got to touch those wounds. Now, I want you to remember what Thomas had already experienced. He had been following Jesus now for three years or more. He had seen all kinds of things that were astonishing, that were not the sorts of things any of us see in the normal course of our lives. Thomas had seen more than 5,000 people fed with a boy's lunch when the lunch was placed in the hands of Jesus. Thomas had seen water at a wedding feast turned into wine. Thomas had been there when Jesus and the crowd stood outside of Lazarus' tomb. He had heard Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth, the man who had been buried for four days, and he had seen Lazarus get up and come out of his tomb. He had seen that. He knew that following Jesus, you would see things that were not normal, typical sorts of things to expect in one's daily life. But this whole idea of Jesus being alive again, no one had ever in the history of the world been resurrected. And Thomas said, you got to be kidding if you think I'm going to believe that. So when I touch the wounds, then I'll be convinced. John, when he wrote this gospel, knew that he told many stories that were hard for people to believe. He was well aware in this gospel that people had not seen folks who had been born blind be healed. He knew they had not seen someone take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed a whole crowd of people, a crowd of over 5,000 people with such a small amount. He knew they hadn't seen people going about healing the sick, raising the dead, turning water into wine. But John said, that's the point. He started off his gospel by saying, the creator became a human being and lived among us. Now I'm going to tell you some of the things that he said and some of the things he did. 
I understand if you're a bit incredulous. If you hear the story and say, what's this guy trying to pull? Because I know things like what I'm telling you don't happen in this world. That's the point. And John called those things signs. In fact, the last verses that we read, he talked about Jesus did many other signs than the ones that I've told you. And he said, but I've told you these stories that are signs of these very strange things, unusual things that Jesus did, which demonstrate his power. I'm telling you, I'm an eyewitness. I saw it all. I drank that wine. I ate the fish and the bread. I saw Lazarus walk out of the grave. And I saw Jesus not once, but multiple times after the resurrection. Now, I know you've never seen those kinds of things. That's the point. So they're true. You can decide that I'm not telling you the truth. But just because you've never seen something in your life does not mean it's impossible and it is not the truth. I was there. I'm telling you the truth. These are signs that Jesus is not just another guy from Galilee. These are signs, and I'm convinced that the Creator has become a human being and lived among us and recreated in his death and resurrection humanity and offers to us all now the life of the age to come, the life of the kingdom of heaven. I'm convinced of that, but I've told you, and I want you to think about it. If you say, oh, that's just nuts, I want you to just for a moment say, well, what if John is telling us the truth? What if these things really did happen? If these things really did happen, then who is this Jesus of Nazareth? What kind of an answer would you give to that? And so, even here, as he, he's telling stories of the resurrection, he says, Jesus did many other marvelous signs indicating who he is. And I'm telling them to you so that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life, the life of the kingdom of heaven. You will have life in his name. So he says, what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to believe him? There were people who knew what had happened, but who still refused to believe. There were people who had seen the miracles that Jesus had done and still refused to believe in Jesus. There were people who had been present at the tomb at the time of the resurrection, 
who still refused to believe. Matthew tells us about these people. He says there were guards there who were so frightened that they were paralyzed with fear. Here's the story. Some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, I mean, the guards were eyewitnesses and told the chief priests what happened, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, which would be a problem for the soldiers, since the soldiers were on guard duty and were not supposed to be sleeping, if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So, the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this day. That's Matthew's account. We call that fake news. And the people who spread the fake news knew it was fake news. But they refused to believe what their own eyes had seen, what they themselves had experienced. There is only one way we really know about Jesus. The only way we know about Jesus, about his death, about his resurrection, about the things he taught, the things that he did, is through what was written by the eyewitnesses. The eyewitnesses, the New Testament. In one place, John, John actually says to people who, who were saying, we don't like what you're saying, John. We want to be followers of Jesus, but we're going to do it our own way. We're not going to do it the way that you're telling us because we just don't like that. He said to them, look, I'm the eyewitness. I am the one here who saw him with my eyes and heard him with my ears and touched him with my hands. He's a real person. You can't go making up what you want. You can't go around deciding, oh, I'll accept this part of what the eyewitness says, and I'm going to pitch that part because I don't like it too well. He said, I am the eyewitness. That's why the New Testament is so important to us. That is how we know what Jesus said and did. So the question for you and me today is, do we trust the eyewitnesses? There are a lot of people in America who call themselves Christians and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. There are a lot of people who do the very same sorts of things 
and make the same sorts of decisions as those people John was addressing. They say, oh, well, I like this part that he died for my sins and I can be forgiven. I like this part about if I believe in him, I can have eternal life. But some of the things that are in there, I don't like so well. Some of the specifics about what he said life would be like following him. Things like how to conduct my relationships with other people. Like loving my enemies. Things he said about forgiveness. How I'm supposed to forgive people. Things he said about sexuality. About humility. About generosity. And the list goes on. They don't want to accept what the eyewitnesses say is the truth about Jesus. And when I have pressed people on this issue about why, why do you accept part of it? Why don't you accept the whole account given by the eyewitnesses? Often the story boils down to this fact. I don't like it. I don't want to live that way. So today, we're like Thomas. Jesus isn't standing in front of us saying, here, put your hand in the wound in my side. Here are my hands. Put your finger in the hole. We're like Thomas before he saw Jesus saying, I don't know. But many of us have said, we believe. And we have experienced already in our lives the eternal life of the kingdom of heaven. What do you do with the story of the eyewitnesses? What is the basis for your decisions about what you will and what you won't believe? How are you going to live? Will you live the way Jesus said is the life of the kingdom of heaven? Or are you going to hold to the principles for living the principles of the kingdom of this world, of culture that rejects Jesus? It may be that you want to learn more about and think more about this. Well, what is the basis for me saying this is true and this is not? I want to invite you to go to, to something that's fairly new here at our church that is being offered. It's Right Now Media. Those of you who get the e-news have found out about it in the e-news. And there's a link in the e-news with the, the access code that you need. Our church has subscribed to this. It's a it is a ministry that provides numerous, numerous videos uh, and uh, teachings, Bible studies, 
um, helps for family life, uh, helps for career, career life as a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, helps for children, helps for high school students, and you're invited as a part of our church family to be a part of this. And the link, the link is on the home page where I think probably most of you are right now on the home page uh, of our, our, our church's website, calvarycommunity.cc. And you can get all the information there that you need. And there is one study that you might want to, to look at a study that's all about what is the truth and how do we know. The man who is the teacher is William Lane Craig. And the lessons are called reasonable faith. Reasonable faith. So you can search that and it will deliver you right there. Each one of the videos is really very short, five, seven minutes or less. Uh, they're not very long at all. And you can there investigate further and come to conclusions about why do you believe what you believe. Last week, as a part of our celebration of the resurrection, we read the words that Jesus spoke to Martha when Martha was grieving the death of her brother, just moments before Jesus raised him from the dead. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asked her. In the gospel that we read today, Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. May you experience the blessing of the life that Christ gives, the life of the kingdom of heaven, the life that he gives to all who choose to believe. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, creator who came to rescue us from the destruction and death caused by our sins. We worship and adore you today, and we give thanks to you for such astonishing mercy to us. Many of us believe. We have believed with our whole being we have fully surrendered our lives to you, to be followers of you. The high king of heaven, the sovereign of the universe, the creator of all, the one who gives existence to everything that exists. And we worship you. 
we don't just give to you our belief. We have devoted our lives to you, for we have seen your great mercy. And there is no other response than love that would be reasonable from us. Some of us have not chosen faith. Maybe we have some faith, but we also have some doubt. And some doubt undermines faith. We pray, would you pour out grace upon all of us so that as we think about what you have done for us, as we think about what do we build our understanding of what is true upon, may we all come to be believers, children of God, those who are living even today the life of the kingdom of heaven. We ask this of you, the Savior and Sovereign of the universe. Amen.